Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from across Ireland and indeed the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using the Downcast or Beyond Pod apps on your smartphone or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 8th of May and lined up for you, we're going to be talking about virtual reality, uh, we're going to be talking fighting, uh, we're going to be talking about killing, um, how you can use Spotify wherever you want or whatever app it is that you, you want. And also the paperless office popping up in strange places. Airline cockpits we're seeing now. We speak to somebody who's putting a paperless office in a very strange place you may not have considered. But first, Niall, we had a competition two weeks ago uh, to win a very unusual watch and we have a winner. Tell me briefly about the watch. Yeah, just a quick reminder. This was a watch from Tokyo Flash, which is a Japanese company, and they specialize in interesting ways to visualize time. So uh, the competition, very simple, was we posted a picture of, uh, of our lovely watch, and we just asked, what time is it? Can you crack the code and tell us what time it is? And somebody did. In fact, loads of people did, but we have one winner. Uh, yeah, and who is the winner? People did, yeah. Uh, our winner for the competition this week is Miles Judge. So congratulations, Miles. Uh, and for anyone that is still hung up on the answer, it was 2, 2 a.m. 54 minutes and change, I think. <laughs> it wasn't multiple choice in the end. So, uh, yeah. Nearly 3 a.m. <laughs> Listen, let's, let's get on to the news of the week. And kind of the one that's really, really got our attention this week is the announcement of Oculus Rift. Now, this is the virtual reality headset, which up until now has been available for developers. I mean, I think pretty much anybody could buy it, but it was like a developer's... It was, it was almost like buy, you had to buy your own beta version of this reality, uh, virtual reality headset. Uh, but they've made a big announcement uh, that is getting everybody very excited. Pray tell, what is it? Yeah, well, from sometime in 2016, you will finally be able to get an Oculus Rift off the shelf. You will have a finished product with actual software to uh, do stuff with. Uh, there's a good chance there will be some actual games with Oculus Rift support built in, uh, which would be very nice. It means that you won't have to uh, play anything that's been reverse engineered in the same way that, you know, when 3D came along in cinemas, an awful lot of films were reverse engineered into 3D to get more people to go to see the to go see them. And as a result, we were left with an awful lot of very shonky 3D films. But, um, yep, sometime next year, I know it's not ideal, but, uh, yes, you will be able to buy an Oculus Rift and God only knows what the waiting list will be like on these things. I mean, we've been following Oculus since, I'm going to say 2013. Would that be accurate? I think probably um, even longer, Niall, even longer. Since, since its Kickstarter days, when we, when we saw it and went, oh, there's, there's something here. And a lot of people thought the same. I mean, it was a record breaker on Kickstarter uh, all the way through to its billion-dollar-plus acquisition by Facebook. So it looks like the product roadmap is finally coming to an end. We will have one uh, sometime next year. Uh, of course, the the uh, beta version is is still doing still doing the rounds, but uh, yes, actual so tell product me, next year for for people who haven't experienced it, it's kind of like you know, kind of three D cinema. You know, it's very hard to describe until you've actually seen it with your own eyes, so to speak. Um, well, you are actually uniquely placed to talk about virtual reality at the moment, are you not? 
well, I don't know if I'm uniquely placed, but my, the point that I was I going to make was, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you you have tried a, a, a virtual reality headset as, as well yourself, haven't you? Uh, not the current generation. Ah, you can okay. believe that. So all right. You have one up on me. Well, okay, Here, here's the very brief history, dear listener, all right? Uh, Niall was very excited about uh, uh, virtual reality because I think he tried uh, one version of it at some stage. I was kind of, you know, well, I'm interested in it about as much as I am in 4K TV or, you know, bendy TVs or, or 3D or whatever it is, all right? All these things have come and gone. Um, and I'm interested in, in how it went. I tried virtual reality last week for the first time using a uh, Samsung Gear VR, which is a headset essentially that you can buy for 200 euro. And you attach a Samsung Note 4 to it and it'll turn it into a virtual reality headset. Now, all of this sounds, whatever. All right. Okay. Uh, And then I put the thing on my head. Oh my God. It was just one of those light bulb moments where you go, I get it. I just, I get it. This is amazing. I mean, remember the first time you saw a computer, all right? Uh, well, you were too young. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a computer and uh, it was my uncle was demonstrating and he was kind of, hey, you can type words on it. It's fantastic. It comes up on the screen. Isn't it brilliant? But if I make a mistake, I can press the back key and just get rid of it. And to me, that was like, oh, wow. This is in a world that, you know, kind of back a decades ago when, you know, if you wanted it to copies of something, you would have to put in carbon paper and make sure that you typed it right the first time. Or if you made a mistake, you'd have to use Tipex. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I had one of those wow moments watching this, uh, uh, Samsung, because all I can describe is, is that you put the headset on you. And the first thing I saw was uh, some animals running on a safari in Africa, somewhere like that. OK, so it's the and test footage you were looking at. It was at. test footage I was looking at. OK, so and we've seen it. It's a, you go into any store and you see the big HD TV screens and they show this kind of footage. All right. I was like, yeah, 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 it's beautifully shot and everything looks fantastic. and It's close to nature. And da, da, da. Then I turned my head to the left and I was able to see what was going on at the left. And then I turned my head to the right and I was able to see what was going on on the right and then up and down and literally 306 degrees wherever I looked I was able to see it was like being in a movie you know when, you, when you're looking at a movie you kind of go I wonder what's happening over there and you can just look over there and, and, and see it and I just went wow this is amazing it's like um, how can I best decide? ah do you know what I described it for somebody the other day we're all familiar with Street View and Google Maps it's like a mm-hmm. video version of that a video version of that right right now the, 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 and and it was just one of those things that once I saw it and I experienced it, I went, bingo, I can see the applications for this. I mean, for entertainment is one thing. Uh, the obvious one. The, uh, is an obvious one. And I believe they're bringing out 3D uh, still cameras, or not uh, 3D, 3, 360 degree still cameras, where you and I can go off and we can take pictures of wherever it is we are. And then when you wear a virtual headset, you'll be able to do the same thing. It'd be amazing. Um, and then uh, the other thing that immediately came to my mind, aside from entertainment, was training. Imagine right. all okay. the things that you can do for, for training and showing people how things and they can look at whatever they want. And then the other thing that I saw, I'm not a gamer, but oh my God, would this be good for games? <laughs> and well, yeah, some of the test software that's being used on it, uh, one of the um, 
games that will have Rift um, compatibility baked into it is the new EVE game, uh, which I think is called Valkyrie. So knowing that you have a fondness for flight sims and that sort of thing, you could end up... I, I could see, see you maybe getting lost for hours cultivating your own starship. Well, there you go. I, I probably could. <laughs> but that, that, So that is good news. Now, I will tell you, uh, I don't know how hard it's been to get the development uh, Oculus, uh, but I can tell you that I, since I had a look at the Samsung Gear VR myself, and I happen to have a Note 4, because that's the only phone that it will work with, I went, you know what, 200 quid, I have the phone, I've got to get one of these. Can't get one. Did you? No, I didn't. Okay. I've been looking. I've been on every single website, everybody's out of stock. And that's just for... The, and, and Samsung are doing the same thing. They're calling it a developer's version. Can't get it anywhere. Hmm. So, okay, right. Mm, so you so, have to be in their, in their developer program to be able to get, get your hands on it. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think anybody can buy one. But, uh, but anyway, my point being is that if you can't get them now... <laughs> Imagine when they when they do come out first, exactly as you said just a couple of minutes ago, is that it's going to be very, very hard getting your hands on one of these to be one of the first. It'll be even harder to get an Oculus Rift than it will be to get an Apple iWatch, is what I reckon. Probably, yeah. And, you know, somewhat cheaper as well. Mm. The Rift is going to be, what, three, 300 euro and change? That's not bad. That's not a bad price. Uh, and the, the other thing that I read about it actually is that you do need to have it connected to a PC computer. You won't be able to use it on a mobile phone or, or in any mobile thing. But if you do have it connected to a computer, one of the advantages the Oculus Rift has over the Samsung product is that, uh, you are able to walk around within a 15 meter or 15 foot uh, radius or something like that. And the virtual reality world follows you, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. <laughs> this, the one thing I will say to anybody listening today is if you get a chance to try it, try it. I believe it will completely wow you. Now, speaking of that little picture of kind of putting your eyes or covering your eyes with something so that you can see weird things, let's move on to Periscope because that's what they do in submarines. Uh, Periscope is a it's a new app, isn't it? From a, isn't it Twitter who are doing it? Twitter are doing it, and they developed it in direct response to another app called Meerkat. And basically, these are live streaming video apps. So, you know, you go to, in the same way that you would go to some, something, and you people just start taking photographs compulsively. Wherever people go, people are always taking photos with their phones now. It's just what yeah. you do. Uh, Meerkat and uh, Periscope are the same thing, only one with video and two, streamed out to your contacts on the network. So with Meerkat, that used to be Twitter, uh, but Twitter blocked access to it because Twitter has Periscope. So with Periscope, you basically send live streaming video to all your Twitter followers. So it's like, you know, link comes up in your profile. I'm on Periscope. Okay, click it. Have a look. And it's what you're up to. It's what you're doing. Now, I, th- I think the, the negative... Um, applications for this are fairly obvious for uh, for a certain class of uh, industry. I think that would be fair to say. I think the negative uh, thing are, are, are obvious, but yes, one particular industry has uh, come out immediately, at, even though it's so new. And the incident was there was a, a, a premium. So now I'm not a sporting fan, so I'm going to get this wrong. There was a big boxing match that apparently was very important somewhere on the west coast of Australia last week, or, or uh, the United States, I should say. And I can't believe it, but the TV companies were actually charging in the region of like a hundred quid 
to watch this thing on your TV in your own living room. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's nothing. The tickets were for, were changing hands for five bigger sums. Uh, it's just to me that's that's and insane. Now, this was fill you in on the details of this oh non-sporting person this was um the fight between mayweather and pacquiao Mm -hmm. which happened last saturday in uh las vegas Mm -hmm. and uh it was in the mgm grand and the capacity was quite limited and this was billed as the fight of the century you know um and as a result tickets were ridiculously expensive it was only it was almost like one of those you know those horrible an audience with shows you know Mm. where they the camera pans across the audience and everyone is famous kind of a thing. Um, this, is, this was exactly that. You know, if, if the camera was to go around the room, you would just see famous people there because they were the only people that could afford to be there in the first place. Uh, Rory McIlroy was there. He was complaining that he had to buy a ticket. That was the sort of, that was the level that you were at. Um, and yes, if you were uh, in the States and you wanted to watch the match, it was $89 in SD. If you wanted to watch it in HD, there was an extra $10 on top of that. Uh, mind you, if you're in the UK watching through Sky, it was like £20. Pounds. So, so you know. it should be obvious at this stage what the connection is between that premium and very, very expensive uh, fight on television and Periscope, the free live streaming app on the internet is. Yeah. Yes, indeed, there were people with cameras pointed at the television screen uh, and then they were broadcast the whole thing on Periscope and loads of people got to see it for free. Loads of people got to see it for free. And it's not just live events, actually, that this is um, sort of affecting. And bear in mind, the picture quality is pretty atrocious. But Mm. you can pretty much, you can figure out what you're looking. But, I mean, it looks like a really aged VHS cassette or something like that. And, of course, the sound is abysmal on it as well. It's almost, if you remember the the anti-piracy ads from... um, uh, the late 80s or something and you know they show oh this is the quality of a pirated film and you know it, it looks like snow with some definition in there somewhere that's not too far off what people are actually getting with um, periscoped uh, coverage no but as, as we've seen many times before that quality will improve and a lot of the pirate downloads you can get these days are, are absolutely perfect it's like watching DVD or higher I think you can get high, D, high definition uh, illegal downloads now um, but uh, with uh, periscope the you're right. It's not just live events like the boxing fight. Game of Thrones had that problem. And that is yeah. why we're having a, a lot of TV programs that are being shown on this side of the Atlantic almost concurrently at the same time as it's being broadcast in the States. So Game of Thrones is being broadcast on Sky TV at like two or three in the morning at the same time that it goes out live in uh, in the States. So people can tape it at 2 or 3 in the morning and then watch it first thing, in the, or they can stay up if they want, whatever. And then, of course, it's rebroadcast then at a reasonable time. American Crime, which is on uh, RT2 television here, same thing. I think it's broadcast within 24 hours of it being broadcast in, in the States. Yeah, but so, that's, that's not entirely down to live streaming apps like Periscope. I mean, those deals have been in place for a long time. Mm. Uh, it's, and it's just because people are impatient. I mean, one of my favorite shows, The Walking Dead, um, that won't get shown until August mm. uh, over here. But, I mean, the series is already done dusted in the States. And I think an awful lot of people that would want to see it have already seen it. Uh, by the time that it's it's sort of lands find over ways. here, it's almost a dead they duck. Will find ways. So the late the latest one anyway is Periscope, and uh, it, it's making its name uh, in the uh, anti copyright. Come on, you can have a look yeah, at this subscription yeah. thing. It's the same way free. that YouTube suffered. Uh, I think Periscope is going to suffer. It's it's gosh, uh, it's it has time on its side. In a hmm. sense, it's only been around since March, uh, but it's got a million users and it's owned by Twitter. So there's money in there somewhere. 
Tell me about uh, the digital single market. Now, here's a, here's another piece of news that is coming because I am. <laughs> do you know what? I love my politicians. Oh, my, my, my politicians are fantastic. OK, maybe not so much the ones here in Ireland, but definitely the ones in the EU are fantastic because one of the things that the EU are fighting for on our behalf is a digital single market. Now, give me one or two examples of how this is going to benefit our lives. Okay, well, let me let me frame this. Okay, uh, if you buy uh, a book or a CD off Amazon, right? Uh, just to take a very very simple example of e-commerce that works. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when you do so, coming from Ireland, uh, if you don't have a, a an Irish version uh, or an Irish seller, you get one from the UK, or you get one from the US. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the two markets that you're more more likely to support, more likely to buy from, right? Uh, in real terms, uh, 42% of all e-commerce that's done within the EU is done within your own country, right? Uh, only 4% is cross-border. So say if you're living in England and you're given that same choice, uh, you stick with you stick with your local option. Right? I, but that's uh, true because uh, it's like we have to buy from the UK version of of, of things. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, mm-hmm. it's like Amazon.co.uk. I mean, to us, it's a foreign store, but for most yeah. people living in the UK, yeah. And then well, uh, I think France has its own do. version and stuff like that. Ireland is a bit unusual. I feel a bit lonely now. Continue. Uh, Ireland is somewhat unusual, but you know we're we're beholden to the UK in many things. But uh, we are more comfortable. I believe, ordering from the States as a second resort, if something isn't there, as opposed to ordering from another country within the EU, right? So if I can't get what I want on Amazon.co.uk, my first instinct isn't to try Amazon.co.fr or Amazon.fr. It's to go to the .com in the States because, you know, there's, there's a language thing. Even though the cost of actually getting what I want from the States over here could be far more uh, egregious than, or far more onerous than the cost of delivery from France. Actually, do you know what? I don't think, because, and I prefer shopping on Amazon.com for the very reason that the delivery is cheaper. <laughs> ah, well, this is a problem that Europe is trying to address with this idea of a digital single market. Now, it's got three tenets, tenets to it, if you will. And the idea is that it's, it's to take out that impulse to go to the US version of a, of a website because there's plenty of functioning markets around Europe that we already have trade ties with, but we're not leveraging. So they're looking at the digital uh, market in the same way as they look at the physical market, in the same way that they took away things like tariffs across borders and all sorts of things. They're looking at how the same principles would work in the digital space. So first up, they're looking at access. So they're, they're looking at how does e-commerce work and how does it work differently to actual physical commerce as we know. How does parcel delivery costs uh, affect whether we choose to order from Germany or France or England? Uh, how does geo-blocking limit our, our um, ability to consume content from different borders? You know, should should the likes of RTE or the BBC be allowed to geo-block their catch-up services? Um, how will copyright work, seeing as there are basically 28 territories, 
taking different different approaches to copyright. Uh, and most importantly, how does that work? And how can we get a harmonized approach to it in the EU? Uh, what would be particularly nice to know is how do we streamline VAT, do things like, say, reduce the rate on e-books uh, just because they happen to fall into a similar category to regular books. So that's sort of one tenet of it. The second is looking at the environment in which e-commerce is taking place. Specifically, that's the telecoms infrastructure and um, the online platforms that we're using, the approach to security and personal data. So if you use Amazon, it should be the exactly the exact same customer um, experience as you have maybe maybe not on iTunes, but you know any other competing ebook site or any other competing um, CD store that happens to be online within the within the EU should have that same sort of. I'm dealing with this company. I know my credit card details are safe and secure. My own personal detail, details are safe and secure because you naturally enough, I think everyone has this mental barrier when they go to different websites and they have to input their credit card details. They're like, I trust eBay. That's probably why I use PayPal and other things. So if I go to website for the guy around the corner, do I want to give that guy my card details? I think a lot of people are very reluctant. Are you reluctant? I think I'd be more, like anything else, you, you tend to trust something that's a little closer to you. So if it was a .ie website, I'd trust it more than I would a .ru website. For the sake yeah. of argument, um, you know? For sake of argument, yeah. So now the idea is that you will have, the, you will have that same level of confidence that you have in you know, your, your local shop around the corner as you do in Amazon. Uh, and that's absolutely fantastic and the EU is also sort of they, they have the, this rough target for broadband infrastructure anyway but they they reiterated it that basically in five years time by 2020 you should have broad access to broadband speeds of 30 megs per se, uh, yeah 30 megabits per second and up uh, as they say in the states if you're not getting 25 and up you're not getting broadband the EU are going one better they're going if you're not getting 30 you're not getting broadband um, you for example, as a UPC customer with fiber power, are a broadband customer. I am not, unfortunately. But this is the approach that the EU is taking on the on the sort of the infrastructure and environment line. Uh, when it comes to personal data, you know, again, we're going to treat you better than they do in the States, I think is a massive selling point at the moment. And the third part of what they're looking at is um, the, this idea of how the wider economy and society can change. Uh, and this comes down to people just being comfortable treating e-commerce the same as regular commerce. You know, uh, if you were to say to somebody, just order it online, again, a mental, some people just have a mental block with this stuff that they think, oh, it's going to be difficult and I have to do this and create an account and all this stuff. Once you, once you give people the tools and the skills to be able to use e-commerce as, re as easily as going down to the shops, um, you will have people getting over that hump. And this will help promote commerce between France and Ireland, Germany and Ireland, places that we wouldn't normally think to shop. It will be just as easy. And not just shopping, you know, I mean, uh, retail is a very obvious example to use. But say you're, you're a businessman, you're self-employed. Um, do you find it more difficult? If you get uh, an email from somebody in Denmark looking to give you your business, does the little bit of you go, Brilliant. And a little bit of you goes, oh, oh, now I have to figure out how to do business in Denmark. I don't I actually. Uh, well, oh, <clears throat> I've done lots and lots of business with uh, people in other European countries. And if they're dealing in euro, it's fantastic 
because mm-hmm. you agree your, your amount in euro and it doesn't change, all right? Uh, and then the other thing is, is that if they are VAT registered, well, then there's a process where I don't have to charge them VAT. And that's the downside of it because there's a bit of a, it, it just creates more paperwork, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, but essentially, d- 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 yeah, d- doing doing business with 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 people across Europe is it's okay. It could be easier, but it's okay. It's it's certainly not difficult anyway. That's for sure. Uh, I think it's a lot more difficult uh, okay. uh, in the states where you've got different federal taxes and different local taxes, and and it can be a lot more trickier. So I think the EU has done an awful lot of work to make it easy within the EU. It's even simpler in uh, Australia, but then again, Australia is it, even though it's a vast area, it's one country, and technically it works as one country. So even though you're you're doing business in one state, which is like five, ten times the size of Ireland, uh, you can still do business with somebody right at the far side of the country as if they live next door. And I think that's the way it should be. And that's the way Europe should be. And that's, do you know what? That's the way Europe should be. That's the way the United States should be. To hell with all that. That's the way the planet should be. Yep. Yep. I, and why not? <laughs> It is. It's. It's true, though, because you know, having to go through all of these little hoops to deal with the, this person over there. Do you know what I mean? Like, essentially, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> However, I think another of the uh, upsides, though, of the digital single market is one thing that really annoys me intensely, and that is when I'm on my holidays and I want to watch Netflix. And the little thing pops up and says, "Netflix is not available in your country because you're in Spain." And I'm like, well, I don't care. I'm from Ireland. I'm on holidays. I pay my subscription. I've paid my subscription. I want to see the darn show. So you're in Spain, so you can't watch it. And then, of course, yep. you know, for, for people like us now, that doesn't stop us for very long. But <laughs> nevertheless, it is Gosh. annoying. It, it should be. A, Spotify, actually, is a very good example. Spotify, you can listen to for up to 30 days, no matter where in the world you are. Yeah, and, and that's that's absolutely great. But they don't. Differently to Netflix, they have that free tier for the moment, which we, mm. which we can talk about. Um, but um, Netflix is purely pay-as-you-go. I know you get your first month free. I mean, you got to put in your card details straight away, so they so they lock you in. Yeah. Well, no, they're, they're both the same because to me, I'm, I'm buying content that I can stream whenever it is that I want to listen to something or whenever I want to see something. And with Spotify, I can listen to this stuff anywhere that I am in the world uh, because I have paid my subscription and off I get up to a, a limit of 30 days. But that covers the vast majority of people who be away on holidays. Netflix, you don't have that option. Uh, and it is no, annoying. No. But I think that digital single market will definitely uh, uh, help that. One last thing on the show this week, uh, and that, is, as you quite correctly said, is uh, Spotify has got a bit of an enemy uh, this week. Apple are looking to do um, nasty things. Oh, I mean, this is this is in a world of bad ideas. You can see this one coming from a mile off. As we know, Apple bought Beats uh, a while ago, and part of the deal we reckon was that they they wanted the streaming service, they wanted the back end, uh, which is fine and dandy. And it looks like we will that streaming service revealed at WWDC in June. WWDC being the the Apple Developers Conference. And they are targeting Spotify, uh, in particular the free tier, because Spotify is sixty million users on books but only 15 million of those are paying subscribers so you would be a paying subscriber mm-hmm. and but there's only 15 million of them now apple has a you know it wrapped up the music download space but the market has gone on P- people are quite happy to stream uh, as much as actually own stuff 
So Apple is now approaching all the major record labels that they had deals with uh, in iTunes, and they're like, you know what, we can, we can do better than Spotify. We can actually give you a much better deal with Spotify, but here's the thing, you gotta pull your songs from Spotify. You're not making a lot of money off them anyway, we can give you a better deal if you come with us exclusively. And they're saying that to the record labels, not just to do with Spotify. They're actually saying, and you know what, YouTube, we, we know you're getting nothing from those guys either, comparatively speaking. Come in with us, pull your stuff from YouTube officially, we'll look after you. So Apple is looking to hoover up all the major record labels and bring them under its Beats um, streaming service. Now, this is a strategy Apple adopted before, uh, you might remember, in the ebook space. And we know how well that worked out for them. Terribly, with a capital T. And a massive big file uh, fine for anti-competitive behavior and so on and so forth. So why are they doing it again? And you know what's even worse is they're doing it with the record company. Who killed the music business as we knew it before the iTunes store arrived? Apple! <laughs> because, yeah, because they did a bad deal with Apple in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> So why are they even talking? I think that's the interesting thing. Why are they even talking to these people? Because they're not talking to these people. The deals haven't been done. That's just what Apple wants. That's what the story is this week. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, on how that one goes. Listen, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for this week, Niall. So much, so much to talk about. So I'm going to hold off the uh, story about the uh, paperless office until next week. Uh, do remember that you're listening in next week uh, uh, by subscribing to the show online. And also remember that you can get hourly updates on tech news along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our little show here online and on the radio with RTE Radio 1 on digital, DAB Digital Radio every Friday at 6 o'clock. Until next week, from myself, Dusty, and from Nile at Tech Central HQ, take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.